old history, whatever that old history is, leave it behind. Cross the intersection. It's time to leave behind old habits. It's time to leave behind old hurts. The light is green. It's time. Today, it is time to choose joy. It's time to choose joy. Now, I'm reminded of a time that Pastor Doug desperately needed to choose joy. Since we're talking about intersections, since we're talking about light screen, let me tell another story about my experience while behind the wheel. So we had a car. It was broke down. We, the two of them, the second one broke down. This is probably 25 years ago. And, well, maybe not quite that. Yes, okay. Kristen knows exactly where I'm headed with this story. She already knows this story. So we had a gracious man, Frank Nedball, who some of you are aware of. He told me, you know what, why don't you just borrow my little truck? Borrow my truck. You'll love driving it around, and you can drive it until your, your car gets fixed. Then Pastor Doug's car broke down, and our children's pastor said, you know what, you can borrow my little red car. Just borrow my red car. We can get away with it. We can work it out, so you borrow it. Well, one day, it was my turn to take Kristen and her friend Catherine to softball practice. And for some reason, we were running late. Not everything was in the bag yet, or we're missing a mitt or something. I mean, I'm just going to put the blame on them for why we were running late. But I'm trying to get these two girls in this little pickup truck. And let's go, let's go. This practice time, we got to go. And I put it in reverse and bam. I'm like, what is behind me? Yeah, the other car. I wrecked both of the friends' cars. Both of them. Not just one, but both of them. And I can still see to this day, Doug coming, running out the front door. And he's like... Tell me you didn't just crash both their cars. Tell me you didn't. I said, it is time to choose joy. And that's what we're going to study today. How in the world do you choose joy when your wife just had an accident with two cars? And you know what's worse is, if you know anything about car insurance, it isn't our insurance It's their car insurance, and we're not talking little damage. We're talking that nice pickup truck went right into the the back part of that little red car. I don't remember what kind it is. Doug can tell you. Don't ask him about it, though, because he won't be able to choose joy today. I just know it. You know, Henry Ford says, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. If you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got. In other words, if we don't change, if we don't choose to change, nothing's going to change in our life. In 2020, it's just going to be like 2019 or 18 or 17 or 16 or whatever. It is a choice that we make to choose. In fact, as Jesus began his ministry, he talked about change. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, from the time that Jesus began his ministry, he began and he preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Three key things there. Repent. Repentance is not a negative word. It's a positive word. It's time for change. And change is good for us. And the kingdom of heaven is where we're going to focus. We're going to, who is the king of our kingdom of our life? Good question to ask ourselves. 
here in January of 2020. Who is king of the kingdom of our life? Who sits on the throne? Who leads? Who governs? You know, are you trying to pull a Harry and Meghan? I don't know. <laughs> it's time to come near. It's time to come near. God says the time is now. The time is now. Sometimes, last week we talked about the horn in the car. When you just give somebody a little beep beep on the horn, you know, you, you know that they don't mean, they don't realize. The arrow is, is green, it's to turn left, it's time to go, and they're sitting and sitting. You just give a nice little beep beep. And then there's other times, you know, you're laying, let's go, let's go, you're in a hurry. Ah, uh, what is the Holy Spirit doing in our heart today? Just a little beep beep or a great big horn down. Let's go. Come on. Make the change. Leave behind. Pass the intersection. Move on in 2020. Get 2020 vision. And choose joy. Because Nehemiah, Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, that joy doesn't come from us. It's the joy that comes from God alone. Leave behind. There's a time for grieving. We understand that. We've sat with the Carey family for the last several days. As she went to bed at 9 p.m. on Tuesday evening and never woke up again. And the kids said it wasn't unusual for her with her dementia. You know, she's, she's slipped quickly here. We've watched the decline in her health. And she was sleeping, and then at noon still sleeping, and then at 2 still sleeping, and they thought, Mom, Mom, come on, wake up. Two of her children living, adult children living with her now, but she never woke up, and she still hasn't woke up. But the promise of eternity, she has a promise that she has lived by her life, and her children have watched. They're in a grieving process. That's not what we're talking about here when Nehemiah says, do not grieve. We're talking about settling in in that sadness and that grief where you just can't overcome it. The prophet Nehemiah says, don't grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's, how, that's one of the ways, friends, we are different from the world. We have joy that comes from God alone. You know, sometimes God will give you the laughing gas. How many of you go into the dentist? You've got to get that. That nitrous, you, you, you know, you just hear the drill. You're just going into. That's another thing I can use for poor Kristen, man. We had a rough dentist when she was a child, and she was fearful of the dentist just getting there. It's like, give her the gas. Just give her the gas. Here's the thing about that. It wears off. It wears off. It doesn't last forever. But the joy of the Lord never wears off. It's always there for us. So I want to ask you today, what is robbing you of your joy? There are three theological truths that I want to share. They are in your message notes. You can get it out if you have, you have that bulletin. If not, the ushers are here to, to uh, hand those out. Does anybody need notes they didn't get? You want to fill in the blank? Three theological truths about joy. Number one, you've got to know that God has a plan for my life. Knowing that God has a plan for my life. If you know 
that you are God's and you know that he has a plan, you can rest in it. He's got it all in control. That brings us joy. It brings us peace that says, I know God has a plan. Even when we plan, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses, a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything. There you go, friends. We often think about the next part of the phrase that says, and the sin that easily entangle us. It's not just thing, sin, it's anything that hinders us from running a race and crossing the intersection without fear. Anything, what is it? Anything that keeps us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith for what? The joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew on the cross that there was a plan in place. That's how he endured. That's how he endured. He knew there was a plan already in place. And you will find joy. You can find joy in the theological truth that God has a plan for your life knowing that he has a plan. In fact, the psalmist says in Psalm 16, 5 through 11, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also will rest secure. Friends, there is the definition of joy. There's the definition of joy. Your heart is glad, your tongue speaks of his praises, and you rest secure. That's joy. When you can praise him knowing, God, I know you have a plan for my life. I know you see everything that's happened. And I'm going to praise you in spite of it, and then I'm going to rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the death. Nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You will fill me, what? With joy in your presence. And eternal pleasures at your right hand. That is God's desire for us. It's time, friends, we choose joy. That we recognize God has a plan for us. Regardless where I am, I'm going to speak praises because I know he's bigger than my circumstances. How big is the God you serve? Let him become greater in 2020 for you than he was in 2019. I will never forget sharing a message that I preached, I bet, 25 or 30 years ago. And I was here in Chicago at a church. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And I was standing on a, big, on a bridge here in the southwest suburbs, actually, and looking out, and it was a clear day, and I could see the Sears Tower. At that time, the biggest, you know, the biggest building down there. I could see the Sears Tower. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, why don't you follow the path to it? So I get in the car, and I took pictures as I got closer and closer and closer 
and closer to the Sears Tower. And when I got to the base of it, I looked up at it and almost had to hold on because it was unbelievably bigger than it was when I looked at it in the southwest suburbs. You and I, it's time to take a trip and get in our cars, so to speak, and get to the foot of the cross and look up and recognize how great God is, how big he is. The closer you get, the bigger he is. Knowing that God has a plan, that he has boundary lines, that he has a plan for you is a theological truth you've got to know. Many of you have heard of Rick Warren. He's the pastor of Saddleback Church in Southern California. He's the author of The Purpose Driven Life, The Purpose Driven Truth, or The Purpose Driven Church. His, his wife, Kay Warren, wrote a book called Choose Joy. You think, yeah, of course I could choose joy. They're probably making millions off of those purpose-driven books. Of course I could. But here's what she says. When I, root, when I chose joy, and it says, because happiness isn't enough, I revealed that I had a close family member who was living with a mental illness. I spoke the challenge of choosing joy in the face of a struggle that was very dark and scary at times, both for my loved one and for me. As you may know, our struggle became a catastrophic loss when our 27-year-old son, Matthew, took his life in April of 2013 after two decades of intense, painful, even torturous mental and emotional suffering. The news of his suicide seemed to fill the airwaves for a short period of time, and we were thrust into a public spotlight in ways we had never hoped and we had hoped to avoid. The detailed circumstances of his death are private, but what I'm comfortable in telling you is that on the morning of April 5th, 2013, I had very good reasons to believe he had taken his life although it wouldn't be confirmed until later that day. The night before, I didn't sleep. I was full of anxiety and grief because I was pretty sure Matthew had died. So when I got dressed that morning, I deliberately reached for my jewelry drawer and I selected a necklace that said, Choose Joy. I was sick to my stomach shaking from head to toe and terrified that what I had dreaded had actually happened. But I put it on because somewhere in the dim recesses of my frozen mind, I was certain that the only thing that would allow me to survive the loss of my son was what I knew and I believed about God. That morning, I possessed three things. I'm going to share each of those as we go through our message today. One is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. That's what we just spoke about, knowing God has a plan. The settled assurance that God is in control of the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately... There's the key word, ultimately, 
everything is going to be okay. And the determined choice to give praise to my God and choose joy. Friends, I think that's about as hard as it gets. I think that's about as hard as it gets. The loss of a child, but then yet to suicide. I think of Agnes. Agnes and I spoke about two weeks ago. And her son, Steve, who is 68, is dying of cancer, filled with cancer, at 85 pounds right now. Not even able to go to the hospital to see her. They're hoping to take her home this afternoon so that Steve can spend a little bit of time with her. But her prayer was that she would go to Jesus before she lost another son. Because many of you might remember, and some of you it's new, that her seven-year-old... Agnes and Chuck lived here in New Lenox before there was a New Lenox. Let me just say it. She's 95. He died at 96. They were in New Lenox before there was New Lenox. And they're on that street they were in, in New Lenox, before there was a New Lenox. And in that house, and their little seven-year-old son was walking to school here in New Lenox when the village was building buildings with scaffolding. And on his way to school, instead there were big signs, there was everything else. But what would one of our seven-year-olds do? Want to walk through the middle of it and see how cool it was. And as he did, it fell and he lost his life at seven years old. So she has a seven-year-old and she has a husband there waiting. And she says there is no greater loss than the loss of losing a child and a seven-year-old, and for them to call her that her little seven-year-old, and then to find out it was just his curious mind. Of course, she'll tell you, if you know Chuck, that's why he went through the middle of it. But then to have lost a child through a suicide, and a young adult child at 27 years old. But God's word lines up with that. If we know that God has for a plan for our life, we can rest assured that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. Number two, we can be certain that God will work it out. We sang about this morning. He works all things. He works all things out for our good. You know, it's easier... It's easy to say. It might be a little bit more difficult to sing depending on your vocal ability. And it's even more difficult to walk that out. But I think about what Kay Warren did. She made a choice to go to the dresser and choose the necklace that said, choose joy. An intentional choice that says, I'm going to be certain that God is going to work this out. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you loved him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Scripture tells us, if we as earthly parents are willing to give our child good things, how much more our heavenly Father who sent Jesus Christ to die for us. He wants to give us that settled confidence of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Because Romans 8.28 says, as we sang this morning, the lyric of Scripture, and we know that in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, that's the hard part. What is his purpose in our suffering? What is his purpose? The loss of Agnes' seven-year-old is what drove her to find Jesus Christ as her best friend. So that was a tragic loss and a devastating loss, but out of that, she found Jesus. And then, in her hunger and her thirst for where is God, where is my son, one by one her children, and as Kristen shared, the legacy that she has left, the singing, the love for Jesus, I remember as Chuck began to search for the things of God. See, we don't understand it. We as a family don't understand our mother now laying in a bed, not able to get in the car and come here with her yes, 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 because you know, my mom was one of the greatest greeters we had here at the journey. You can shake your head. She knew if you had been missing a few weeks. And she was going to scoot in that wheelchair by hook or crook or get somebody and say, yes, yes, yes. Like, where have you been? Any of you experienced it? Yeah. Yeah, she knew. She knew. She knew what was going on. And now, as she can't even get out anymore, and she can't ride in the car, and she can't come to see you, and as Karen used a good word this morning, she feels just heartbroken. We wonder, God, are you really going to work this out? What is your purpose? But there is a settled assurance that God is working it out. Another quote from Kay Kay Warren's book is, Joy is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. It's a quiet confidence that, okay, God, you got this. I don't know how. I don't know what purpose it's going to serve, but I choose joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. In God, it is my strength. My joy comes from knowing that everything is going to be okay. And then number three, the theological truth is when I choose joy. In other words, I have to make the choice that I'm going to rest in confidence in him. I'm going to rest in the confidence that he has it. Philippians 4.4. 4. And let me tell you, Philippians is known as the book of joy. A joyful book. It, Paul, throughout the writings, talks about joy. However, he was imprisoned at that time, friends. He wasn't in a joyful place at all. He wasn't sitting at a five-star motel being taken care of. He was in prison in chains. He was miserable. And he says in... Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I like the re. Because when you rewind something, you got to play it over and over and over. How many of you find a cute, something cute on Facebook or on YouTube or something, and you just got to watch that little one again, that cute child, whatever they're doing. I tend to love to gravitate to the little tiny ones doing fun, different things. Their parents have videoed them and taped it, and it's so cute and so funny, and you rewind it, or maybe it's your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, whoever it is, and and you find a clip and you watch it over and over. You rewind it. You rewind it. 
Paul says, rejoice, 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 rejoice. Just keep playing it over and over and over. Rejoice in the Lord always. How in the world does Paul say that? It's kind of like, I know this isn't old. It represents my age, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger too. I'm not even sure that our little ones know who Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2 is now. Do you think? I'm not sure. With all, They might. All right. They do. Good. They do. Thank you, moms. Yes, they do. Well, everybody knows that Tigger drove him crazy with his bouncing everywhere and happy. Drives him crazy. Tigger's bouncing and bouncing and bouncing because the wonderful thing about Tigger is, is just, yeah, there you go. You can finish it, right? So they had one of the one of the stories they took him and the rabbit and Pooh and Piglet and they captured him and they take him and they want to stick him in a tree and they want to lose him because they are tired of his happiness and his joy bouncing everywhere. So they get rid of it. Tigger, you're never going to bounce again. And Tigger's too afraid now. He's frightened. So he's putting the bounce away. But it doesn't take long for his friends to say, we miss the bounce. Go ahead, Tigger. Just bounce away. I think that's what God is calling us to in 2020. Just bounce away. Just have fun. Just rest in the Lord. Think of it as a child. Don't you love? You know, you, you can't. We look through life and we can't wait to get to things. What was it you couldn't wait to get to? I know that I couldn't wait to get to 16 to drive. I couldn't wait to get to 18 and get to college. I couldn't wait to get to 21 and drink. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> That's another thing. Can I tell you another Agnes story? So, you know, I, we, were, we were raised in a Christian home, and, and my dad would have a beer, and we'd smell it. It was nasty stuff, you know, so we just never thought of it. Agnes, I remember when she got saved, and she was coming to a class that I was teaching, and I don't know what we talked about, you know, the Holy Spirit, and she came up to me and she says, I'm going to tell you something right now. This is going to stay till the day I die. When I have my Aurelio's pizza, I am having a can of beer. They just go together. One can. Will that be a problem, you think? One can? I'm like, I'm pretty sure one can of beer. Now, for those of you with an alcoholic problem, no, 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 don't even try it. But I'm saying, here we go with... Where were we going with that? <laughs> I know when I get to 21, that's where we were going. So I tell you that story because no, but we always look ahead to what we're going to get. We're going to buy a house. We're going to have children and then it doesn't happen or something changes. How do we live that? How do we do that? How do we do it? When I choose joy, I know. Kay Warren says, joy is a determined choice to praise God in all things. Joy is a determined choice to praise God in all things. Look at Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20. This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. This is the message. So it's really a translation and expanded. I wanted you to get the idea of it. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get a mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it and bring it back and then explain it before you can live it. No. 
the words right here and now, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil. In other words, a choice. I've given you a choice, a free will as a human. And verse 16, I command you today, love God, your God. Walk in his ways. Keep his commandment, regulations, and rules so that you'll live, really live, live exuberantly blessed by God, your God, in the land you're about to enter and possess. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart and you refuse to listen obediently, and willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. That isn't necessarily a death as end of life. It's a death of dreams. It's a death of hopes. It's a death of life. That's why the journey church is so, my heart is so strong, friends, for families in the New Lenox area. We're surrounded. Our demographics are huge with families, houses of, with children under 18. Because if we can teach them the love of God and protect them from making mistakes that affect their rest of their lives, if we can help them, we can help them to not suffer the choices. Because here scripture says, I warn you, it's about your choices. What are you going to choose? Are you going to worship other gods? You're going to die. You're going to lose your hopes. You're going to lose your dreams. You won't last long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19 and 20, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. And I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live. It's not to negate the older, the families, the neighbors of the Agnes and Chuck Carey that are looking for the Lord. We want all to come to know Christ. In fact, Jesus said, I'm not willing that any should perish. I want everyone. But I'm telling you, if we can get children at a younger age and begin to grow them up in the things of God, there won't be as much pain in their adult life. Can I get an amen? Is that not true? That is the truth because the decisions they make are intentional and they're thinking about and they've been raised to know that God has a plan. How do I make the choices? Number one, choose to look beyond what happened. Choose to look beyond what happened. Philippians 1.12, again, was Paul's writing in chains. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So in other words, I'm looking ahead at what the future looks like. How many of you would make different decisions if you looked ahead? If you looked ahead, I know another time Doug and I would have made a different decision. So when we were very first married, I was working at a bank. And so, and, and loved it being in the bank in Rock Island, Illinois. Doug was a youth and music pastor in a church. And they offered me these charge cards. We had, all, we had just gotten married in July, and Christmas is coming in December. And they said, you can get whatever you want. We'll sign off on it. So I got us two charge cards, two of them. And they each had $300 limits. 
and we decided we would spend $300 on each of us, my $300 on him, his $300 on me, and put those charges to the limit. Next thing we know, the interest is like $30, 21.99%. We didn't have the money. to. We paid, we paid for Christmas for 10 years. I'm not kidding. We paid for Christmas, and again, we had to get out the necklace. I choose joy. But the truth of the matter is, in our ignorance, we didn't have the wisdom to know. And and somebody was encouraging me, here you get these cards, but they didn't give me the boundaries. We were on our own over there having a wonderful time. If my parents lived close, I can tell you they would have had me hanging from a tree. But we try to keep people from suffering that, from putting them back, even if it's a charge card with 21.99% interest rate and you're put back for 10 years because now you're paying all this interest every month for stuff you never needed to begin with. We, our Christmas tree, I should find a picture of that room that day. It was so fun to wake up. Santa had really come to our house that year. Number two, choose to find the new opportunities the new opportunities where you are saying okay God here here I am I blew it I messed up or whatever it is what is the opportunity you have for me now what's the choice I'm going to make Paul goes on in Philippians 1 13 and 14 as a result since the gospel is going to be you know spread farther because of my chains as a result it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ let me ask you Would those prisoner guards ever have heard of Christ had Paul not been there in the prison? Who knows? And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel with fear. Because while Paul was shut up, others came up to the task and started preaching and proclaiming that's God's way. That each one reach one and a light, one light as we did at our candlelight service, one light when it travels all the light that is brought to darkness. Paul says, no, this has ended up being a good thing. I have chosen to find the new opportunity in it. Stop listening to Facebook and Instagram and sister so-and-so and friends and neighbors and all that and look to God to choose joy to say, God, what's the new opportunity for me right here and now? Now, I know Rick and Kay Warren still grieve greatly in the loss of a child like that. There's no way of a young adult, 27, but they choose joy, and they're looking beyond. They're looking to the future, and they're looking for the new opportunities, third and last. Choose to focus on what really matters. What really matters in life? Philippians 1, 15 through 18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing that they stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. In other words, forget about it. Today, I choose joy. Paul says it doesn't matter what people are saying or what they're doing. 
or what frustrates me, or whether they're proclaiming even the gospel out of selfish ambition because they want the power or they want to know something or they want a following and they want to be a leader. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Christ is being preached. And I'm going to find out and I'm going to choose what really matters in life is that God is God. Would you stand with me today as we choose joy together? I don't know where you're at, but I know that at some point in 2020...